the Red 78. The most important thing was the intensity and the mentality to go after the game. As a coach, why did he only give away nine penalties this week? Available every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Brian O'Driscoll on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us. Everyone in. Right, so we're a week away from Ireland against South Africa and we're a few days out from the uh, Leinster Monster game. Brian O'Driscoll is here. Brian, how are you? I'm good, Ger. Thank you. Uh, this is an exciting period where we get to look back a little bit and look forward a bit. I'll, I'll, we'll look at the, the Springboks game in a moment, but um, final thoughts on Leinster Munster, which was traditionally like the biggest game in Irish rugby, but is now like first versus third. Um, what are your takeaways from how everybody has been assessing the game and how the game went? Um, I think there's lots of good you can look at um, taking away from it. I think, first of all, my my initial thoughts would be Leinster should be kicking themselves that they weren't that it wasn't a 35 point scoreboard not differential but you know they, they left a lot of scores out there particularly in the first 15-20 minutes like I, saw, I looked at a stat within 6 or 7 minutes they had 85% possession like they just weren't able to convert the way they would have Jamie Osborne you know got a hard pass off Keane Healy where he was all, all you know just had to catch him was over the line um, Jenkins was held up these are all significant moments in building momentum as well and and, and getting confidence levels high and, and Furnace Munster they stuck in there and they showed the green shoots that I think we've been hoping they would um, which we've been waiting upon I think we got some of it last week against the Bulls we saw it again um, in parts with you know with limited strike runners to be honest with you like there wasn't much threat was there no as much as they had plenty of possession I wouldn't say Leinster were stressed and strained very often but this, this like if they are playing that, you know the brand that I think they look as though they want to play this is just a practice piece like the first ball that they took Ahern took and played out the back to Carberry they didn't ha- they didn't get it to hand and they juggled it gave up a penalty Luke McGrath took a quick tap and Luke McGrath was fantastic I mm. thought but Leinster should have had a score. If he get, if he hits Jenkins on on a pass rather than carrying himself, which he should have seen, to score within twenty seven seconds, and that's the reality of it. Like the the level of accuracy that they're going to need to get to is still a good distance away. About consistently every time that pass going to hand or ninety eight out of a hundred of them going to, to hand. The first one in the game is a bit of a killer. Is this years? Yeah, I do think it is. I do think it is. Like Leinster. They had a really good footing to come from and they also had, you know, someone marshalling them at 10, which obviously helped significantly in understanding what way they wanted to play the game. And um, and so, so many of them have been doing with Ireland as well over the course of the last couple of years in particular. And probably before that, unbeknownst to us, that that's what they were trying. But it does feel as though this is kind of multifaceted, is a change of mindset, um, a, a a, an ability to catch and pass um, to um, put yourself out of your comfort zone and and try things and then on top of it the calibre of player as well so it does feel as though there are the green shoots that we that we were hoping for but it does feel as though it's going to be a longer road than people would then south would want to appreciate because the response has been 
quite positive about the performance and people are talking the scramble defence was good and it's great that you've got a good scramble defence but like Leinster weren't playing at full Leinster and still were relatively comfortable from the first second to the end of the game there was a bit where it's like you know better performance from Munster a bit closer but like Connacht ran Leinster close in the Champions Cup first leg game for a while last year but the end was double scores Yeah, and like it could have been double scores so I, I see everybody saying and I see the point they're making is that okay what what Munster are doing is washing away a really bad era and it's going to take ages but it's a bit early for them, us to be yeah cool lads you know they, they could easily relax into oh we're, we're on the road here now but like it's a very long road yeah maybe they need to stop drawing comparisons to Leinster standard bearers and 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 it's they're they're part of the next pack. And the reality is Leinster didn't win the URC last year. You know, you know the South African teams they're beaten in the in the, um, in the semi final. Uh, Stormers went on to win it. So it's not like they're they think that um, that that the the be all and end all. Um, but yet in Ireland they are the standard bearers. But maybe they just need to look at where Munster need to look at where they can improve themselves rather yeah. than go this is where we need to get to yeah it is but it's so you far play, away you play catch up and you know you get frustrated and you know um, you, you take an eye off your own style and what way you want to play rather than get caught up with the external factors they only play Leinster a couple of times a season let Leinster do their thing Munster just need to go about creating their own brand their own style and Parts of it will be traits of what Leinster have been doing the last few seasons and parts will be the Munster way. Um, you know, building in, you know, you want to start building in a ferocious pack again. You can't get away from that. As much as you want to develop your game, you still have to c- hold on to the core attributes of what you associate yourself to be. And that is uncompromising, no backward step, physical, good mall, good set piece, all of those hallmarks of great Munster teams. You still have to hold on to that and, and have that as the foundations to then build the rest of your game. And when we talk about it, you know, th- that skill level piece will take weeks and months and um, and maybe years um, to get to where they want to get. But they're going to need some academy players to break through and show the capability. The one thing I will say about that is that there were signs of that um, across the team. Yeah, and the younger players um, who we've yeah, well, seen. I, I yeah. think in particular, and it is worth mentioning, I think, I think Crowley in particular, you'll always make mistakes when you're a young guy. But what I'd be looking out for is what you're capable of, what your rugby IQ is, what your athleticism is like and what your desire is like on both sides of the ball. And what I what I loved about Crowley was he was he ran hard, you know, really good footwork, but when you know he didn't shirk the defensive side of things. The clear out on Ross Byrne for, you know, a ruck at one stage was pretty ferocious. Um you'd love to see that. Yeah. In young guys because that that is that's just mentality. That's not technique, that's nothing else just it's just bloody mindedness. And and so you know, take all the the errors out of things because that when you're trying things that'll happen. It's what is the rugby IQ along with the, the skill level. And I think it's, I'm, I'd be a lot more positive from a Munster perspective having seen his performance at the weekend. Okay, and I suppose the other thing is that we stop comparing them with Leinster, but we do need to continuously compare them with what's gone before. And that's going to be a long do we period. Though? Do we? Well, Why? Well, because uh, I was, I think in a positive way, I think what we can say is that I'm not sure Crowley would have been picked by Van Graan 
in that game he would have thought oh, you're a number 10 or Carberry's a number 10 and he's my number 10 and it would have been very like who are the biggest people that I can pick who are the most experienced people that I can pick what's the least risky thing I can do here so that we don't get beaten by 30 points whereas at least with this coaching ticket there's a change in, in that mentality I think here I am arguing against myself about giving them credit for it but it does feel as if um, we're only beginning to fully understand the impact of the Van Graan era standards had clearly slipped we're starting to hear stories seeping out about uh, meeting times kind of being you know uh, aspirational as opposed to set in stone that that level of discipline wasn't there particularly when the Ireland players weren't around standards were slipping so if that culture doesn't get fixed quickly then there's going to be a problem and I think that um, we do need to compare a little bit with that and maybe remember that they're recovering from a really bleak period where the rugby was terrible the standards weren't good and the good players seem to be, I don't know, not having any impact. Yeah. Um, so maybe, I don't know, that's why I would compare them. With, like, that's the bit that gives me some... One thing we have to not stop doing is comparing them with the successful ones. The team. O'Gara team and O'Connell yeah. team. Yeah, that's, sorry, that's gone. It's gone. You've got to, that has to go because, you know, it'll happen and the cycle will happen to Leinster. You know, they've they've had an extended period, you know, from probably... 13, 14 years now where they've been consistently, okay, year or two wobble in between, but consistently very, very good. League and, and Europe been competing at the business end. But that, that time will, you would, you'd have to imagine, will naturally come as well with the cycle of certain players coming through in batches or not. Yeah. And, and so you can't compare. You know, as supporters, you always will in your head because you look, at what success looked like and why you achieved it but it, it is cyclical in every team no team in rugby outside. even look at the All Blacks at the moment even everyone has speed bumps along the way some in their case very unusually and it must feel alien to them to feel the way they feel at the moment and losing an element of their aura but, but the reality is you know, maybe look at comparatively to the team after that great Munster team that not the, the not the noughties, but right after that, where they started losing a couple of the senior players, um, started getting a little bit older. Rog was coming to the end. But if you remember those last couple of years of Rog, they still got to the European semi-finals when it wasn't really that great a team. No. I think that's where they need to get to with this side. It's that that's the mentality piece. Yeah. Because they, they don't necessarily have to have the very best players in Europe, but the Munster way is that you still deliver above your skill set, ab- above where you are as a group of individuals because you have that jersey on. And I think that's what the expectation is with Munster people, with supporters. They, they, they're okay with not achieving success, but they can't have, you know, what, what, what looks like capitulation or... Um, or a lack of spirit. And I think that's why, you know, we talked before about why Van Graan wasn't a good fit for them because I don't think he wore his heart on his sleeve in his interviews and just never looked overly stressed or or upbeat one way or another, with good or bad. And I think that's not... Again, you've got to look at the way of the, the team has been and the, and the environment has been for 20, 30 years and how the people are and how they react. And you have to follow suit in some way it's understanding the culture and being part of it as opposed to like, no we're going to do it our way now because uh, we know better we, and we talked before on, on the show about Rob Penny tried to do that and, it, and that did not work so you've got to find a happy medium um, ok so Munster long way to go uh, 
some signs of something, but particularly the individuals are going to help multiply the speed at which this happens. People like Crowley. Yeah, they are. And and, there, and there's good young players coming through, like, you know, Hodnett's a nice player. Um, Coombs is a good player um, at eight. You know, I, I like the hard running of his cousin on the wing. You know, there, there mightn't be maybe of the, of the standard of the international guys, but they're a level below and I think they have scope to grow and improve and get better. Um, I think I think you need a little bit more from some of um, the tried and tested. You know, I think if you're looking at who drives standards, I think, you know, some of the senior players, and we've seen big performances from Tyburn in a Munster jersey, Pete more often not to, um, delivers... I, I think we need a really big season from Conor Murray. Mm. I think he needs a big season for himself. Um, and I think I wouldn't usually be driven to the stats, but I just wanted to see the comparisons of um, Luke McGrath versus him. And, and I look at Conor Murray, and they had similar touches, but Conor Murray had zero meters. Like he, he doesn't, and teams will definitely start analysing that. Going, he doesn't run anymore. Right. Like when we think of Conor Murray, we think about this try he scored in Soldier Field where he went inside the guard and snipe, you know, brilliant snipe and, and score. And that was a catalyst for so much of the other great stuff to come. When was the last time we saw a proper line break? Is that because he feels like he hasn't got the gas anymore? Maybe. And, there, and, that, and, and trust me, I, I know as someone in your, in your 30s, there's, there's doubts around what, you know, what the evolution of your game looks like. But you, you, it doesn't mean that you give up on it well you kind of have to do more of it then don't you like to see like to just to make sure like keep trying until you have all the evidence it's 100% he had, he had it in his game it's not like it, he, ne- he never possessed it I think if you look at someone like Peter Stringer who was, a f- was the best passer in the game never really had a break to be honest with you but what his USP was he got the ball out quicker than everybody else yeah. and allowed the back line to um, to have another half a second whereas Connor's got a great pass we know that but we always, we you know, you look back to the tries he scored. He's you know he's got a great strike rate against the likes of New Zealand over the years. Those you know five yard snipes. I just don't see that anymore. And I and the knock on value because I know that it's there. It's, uh, and I feel just it's just a bit of a confidence thing with him that maybe he's just gone back to what he knows that he's really good at and, and that is a, as a passer but wouldn't that make his passing even better if he was to do it because it keeps the defence a little bit is he going to and then suddenly there's a minor hesitation and suddenly your 10 has the ball and he actually has more time on it mm. so it's kind of this force multiplier yeah it is and I, I think you have to be mindful too that I suppose he with the systems that they're playing and you know the pods that the, I'm, I'm not encouraging him to carry the ball and try and draw in first or second not randomly because that actually is, yeah. is counterintuitive to what they're trying to do it's actually just him having a snipe having a break looking for opportunity even having as he's running to rooks looking to see where where there's a you know a possible mismatch someone that is carrying an injury just something where it would get, it would make you think do you know he's, he's he's back and he has he's multifaceted in his game again because he's at that stage of his career now where he has been you know one of the greatest scrum halves that ever played the game for Ireland and has lost his position in the Ireland team but seemed fairly secure as the man who would come off the bench to seal to win games or finish games off then Craig Casey started starting in Munster and actually Craig Casey's a bit more similar to Gibson Park yeah. and so you could see easily how they'd be like 
well if that's our game plan that's our game plan so we're going to go with the two guys who can do exactly what our game plan is as opposed to changing the style for the last 5-10 minutes when we bring Conor Murray on so but there's I, a security Jerry, with Murr there really is I feel it still as a, as a, as a spectator having played with him that, there, that there's, he still possesses that he still has that unflappable it's calm it's, I've, yeah, been, I've seen it's this like, many times don't worry it's cool We've, you know, he's, he's part of that crew that have won, beaten the All Blacks five or six times like with that comes a true belief in that individual irrespective of whether physically they're not maybe as good an athlete as they once were the, the, the sense of calm there is so we want that at Ireland level right? we do we do how do you make him feel that he doesn't need to go and then um, you know he's in that stage where don't try anything or try too much you got to give him the confidence to I don't think we're going to not run the risk of trying too much you know and, and listen he knows his game he's still going to play to what his strengths are but I, I think it's just it's a little bit more of that sniper, sniper break that we associated with him when he was in his pump yeah you go back to the Lions turn in 2017 one, one of the best seasons that he had he just he was a threat and he's such a strong guy as well that, you know, his ball carrying ability is difficult to stop from four or five metres out as well. It's just identifying that opportunity. I, I just, I wish that he was, he had that back in his game a little bit more. Because when you look, you do look at those stats of zero metres. What did McGrath get? Like 87. Right. It's a significant difference. I know, it's, it was huge. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to see. And um, yeah, like... And, and, and kind of the same sort of possessions. I think Luke, with Luke McGrath, Luke would have 60 caps if he had a little bit of a better pass. Like, I think rugby IQ-wise, there's not many better scrum halves around than Luke with identifying space, where to plug holes, and, you know, having a go at a break, offloading. His box-kicking game has improved dramatically because I think it was, in the early days, a bit of a weakness um, I think he's put that right. And his pass, you know, is absolutely, is ample. But for international rugby, you need a killer pass. And I think that's the only thing that's held him back. But I, I, I thought, other than that pass he should have given to Jenkins in the first 30 seconds, I thought he was outstanding. He's 29, he'll be 30 next February, Luke McGrath. Is it is it gone or no. is there is there room now over the next 12 months for... Yeah, I think there is. Of course, it's never gone. You know, like, has is that pass a little bit ingrained in um, in the international coaches' heads that it's not quite the same as Conor Murray, not quite the same as Jameson? Possibly, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Have to ask them. So he has the to only thing is he plays with Johnny <clears throat> Sexton a lot, and that has to be a, a yeah. plus. <laughs> um, and he's he is such a smart rugby player. He really is. Defensively, I don't know if there's many better halfbacks around. The Ireland A game is, is kind of an interesting uh, what happens with that group and what, what level they're looking at because it's like a step up from emerging Ireland it's a better team they, they reckon than the that we're going to face than the New Zealand Maori and it's obviously the same camp the same week the same coaches the day before the South Africa game um, looking at the injury profile of all the all the, the matches that are happening at the moment like it's you know there's you know dead bodies lying all over the field every game the number of players who are injured and long-term injuries is, seems to be increasing. So there's every chance that if you're playing in this Ireland A game that you're going to get some game time in the World Cup if you play well. 
that like you can catapult yourself into the reckoning to be in that kind of between 20 and 30 or between 25 and 35 you're going to get called up at some point yeah I think you're going to see a squad of is it 33 that are going now you're going to see more players than that used for yeah. sure you're going to be jo- uh, injury jokers brought in um, and yeah I, I you know definitely in this A team less so the emerging Ireland team I think that is kind of Given guys, that's with the nine twenty-seven, maybe, um, and and then and the next cycle of of a World Cup, rather than necessarily this, you might find one or two guys limping into the squad. Um, I know Frawley didn't go on that, but he would have been the obvious candidate. I think McCarthy in second row. I think they've got you know, high hopes for him as yeah. well to see what. what it's, there's a big season for him now. You know, he's kind of edged into the Leinster setup. now he just needs to put in some really big performances and now he's got some stiff competition as well with Jenkins playing well so um, yeah it does feel as though there is going to be the scope and potential for some of these A guys to, to, to make themselves peripheral players within a World Cup squad In the past those games would have been like oh it's, yeah, it's the A it's important for like long term development but it does feel a bit more urgent it feels like they're doing all of this because they know that they're going to need a much bigger pool of players because of injuries Yeah everyone's in the same boat with that right Yeah um, It's funny you know there's th- th- two kind of lines of thought with regard to injuries it does feel that a lot of longer term injuries but it does feel as though in some cases that they're coming back an awful lot quicker so you know the you know shoulder dislocations and that sort of thing before it was four or five six months now they're getting back in two months so it does feel well I, I don't know glass half full that, <laughs> <laughs> swings around we'll, we'll, we'll go into the World Cup even if we lose someone in the Six Nations before they could still make it back still you know other than you know any anything catastrophic but the game is, has definitely gotten you know far more um, attritional than, than when I played it and um, yeah you are seeing more and more head knocks unfortunately Um so I do think you're going to have the, the the depth of your squad, and that's why the Maori games in the in the summer were so so important. That's why this A game is important because you have to know in high caliber games what these players are capable of and give them experience. Because it's difficult to give them that experience in Six Nations. It just is, you know, th- those outside the initial 25, 28, very hard to give them. Go, oh yeah, throw throw him in for the future. It's not really how it works. The prize money is too important. It to is, argue. it is, and, and and people don't. Oh, why? You know, what, what does it matter? It it matters. It's yeah. significant, especially after in post COVID when they mm. lost so much money. In the Ireland day, Jack Crowley is. Is there a hope that he plays at out half and starts to put pressure on anybody else? Like we we have this uh, perpetual conversation about Sexton and his impact on the team and um, just how important he's going to be. Like you know, I don't know if you're paying attention to the NFL this season, but. Uh, the two greatest quarterbacks mm. of all time have literally fallen off the cliff yeah, this year yeah, so far and it just it happened yeah. pretty much overnight you know yeah. last season they were MVP first and second mm. this season they're grand yeah. but it was quick you know um, so maybe they'll have a, a second half comeback but retirement never go back to an ex-girlfriend or a house you robbed isn't that it? <laughs> <laughs> life advice <laughs> um, yeah I, listen we, we until he's gone, we'll be talking about it, about that level of importance with, with Johnny. But we do have to. I, I'm, I, doesn't, I, I am nervous. I'm nervous about the reliance on him. And so what does that 
make you do makes you really focus on who's 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 next Frawley Carberry Crowley now in the conversation albeit he played at 15 last weekend um, Frawley also playing at 15 is this like is there, is there someone making a phone call saying get them game time I don't care pick them on the wing put them at 12 I need to see them play matches I need to see them play minutes yeah perhaps um, and, and I suppose within a World Cup squad you will need players Someone so look at someone like Frawley he's a perfect third 10 yeah. plays 12 plays 15 like that's your that's your dream 30 Thirtieth man, yeah, he's, um, he's where that's you know, and also personality wise, I, I don't know Kieran Frawley particularly well. He, he's, I'm sure, he's aspirational, but right now is Frawley thinking, I want to be a starter in the World Cup. I, I, he's not, and and so because Johnny's ahead of him, Robbie's ahead of him at twelve, you know, Hugo's ahead of him at fifteen. Yeah. So he's trying to make that World Cup squad. So that's your perfect fit, where a guy that is thrilled to be there and supplement in at different positions. Um, where where needed, um, and I suppose Crowley has has that potential as well. I don't know. I'm sure at a push, he's a footballer. He could play twelve, of course. But now that we see him at fifteen, we know he's he's actually a ten. Um, he's another one in that category that could find himself sneaking into a squad on on the vers- uh, versatility card. It's funny how when Ireland named the squad, the official press release has the three out halves as Sexton, Frawley and Carberry. Mike Lowry's in the back three, so maybe he's not even considered as an out half. There's the other one, Lowry as well, you know. Obviously, maybe he doesn't get as much airtime here, but he's very effective first cap. Um, and... You can play 10. Will you need to see more of him at 10 this season for him to get into the squad? Probably. Um, is he going to go as an out and out fullback? I, I wouldn't say so. I think he's going to have to be, he's going to have to double up. Um, but it's exciting to know that now we've got guys that maybe not out and out 10s, which is what we ultimately need, but now guys that, that could f- facilitate multiple positions in a, in a World Cup squad, which is what you need. But we also need a guy to really step up as a number two. Yeah, uh, Carby had a, a brief um, cameo at fifteen recently, but he is a number ten, really, isn't he? he if we're going to play him, we're going to play him as an out half, and we're not really going to try and find a role for him in the team separately, are we? Or are we? Well, I, I, I don't know. Is he a, is he a ten? Is he an out and out ten? Um, obviously, nearly all of his time at Leinster was um, fifteen. If if there was other multiple tens, would he still be playing? Um, 10 down in Munster if Munster had a really quality 10 mind you would he have even gone there in the first place if um, if there was I, I think he's he's a footballer and it feels as though he he's an ability to react to situations at, as a 15 I think he's is not, not, I'm not saying his hand has been forced as playing a 10, but I, I just don't think we've gotten to see the best of him in Munster. In a struggling team as well, you have to, you, you have to put if, that into, the, into it, the mix too. If you were his dad or his manager, what would you be telling him to do? I'd be telling him to stick at 10 right now. Right. I really would, because that's where he's going to get to, to the World Cup, you know. And sorry, the other thing as well is Joey's closed out games phenomenally well for Ireland. He's kicked really important goals. New Zealand... Um, a couple of times, you know, a couple of times. Yeah. Um, remember his first ever cap coming on, you yeah. know, over in Soldier Field. So I, I think you you have to give him a good bit of respect as well for not, um, not crapping the bed um, when he came on and yeah. um, and and finding the situation to be 
too much for him. Um, far from it. He's, we he's saw a, loads of tens do that. He's a, yeah, loads, loads. I, he doesn't. He doesn't make me nervous um, watching him, but it's not the same. And I, I think the reality is, no one's the same as what we've got. So. Um, that's why we will be nervous going into the World Cup. Yeah. So what do you want from the, this three-test window, right? Uh, like, the questions in the press conference are all about being world number one and um, Andy Farrell's like, well, why would we be scared of this? We should just embrace it. Like, Great, go yeah. for it. I don't want to be number two. And that's exactly what you want. But at the same time, these matches in 15, 20 years' time, we're not really going to remember the November internationals the year out from the World Cup. Uh, so what do they want from this? Do they want someone... Who plays a ten in the Australia game, or do you put Sexton on the bench for the South Africa game? You can't really because it's South Africa, and we might see them again in the World Cup. What do you do? Yeah, I think I, like we've been saying it for a year. Guys have to get game time. Like, who would have thought Johnny would have started all three tests down in New Zealand? Um, and he obviously wouldn't have started the third had they not won the second. But um, you know, he's. We, we have to find we have to give others game time we really do and yeah Fiji obviously he's not going to start that one and will he be involved in two 23s I think so he won't be involved in the 23 in Fiji but you know definitely I think you got to start him against South Africa you got to you got them in your group we've got to try and beat South yeah, Africa I think game. you've got to try and beat them okay yeah I really do you so can't, best team first yeah. team whoever's in yeah. form whoever's fit and shows up yeah, I think you got to throw your best team at them and, and say and say what have you got let's, yeah. let's see you you know I think there's a real it's a real arm wrestle with them you know in terms of the psychological side of it as well going in less than a year away that they have them in your group the only thing is about the group is I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing when you're losing the group yeah. Yeah. one thing's important is you've got to beat Scotland obviously in the other teams yeah. but with, with France and New Zealand as the other quarter final quarter finalists it's it's hard to know whether a victory or a loss is going to be your friend yeah like do you want the French at home uh, with all the hype behind them in the quarter final having come through the group winning everything or do you want New Zealand with a, a defeat behind them and a little bit of doubt I don't know I think it's hell either way right yeah it and is we'll, we won't be yeah. favourites um, and it's broken bodies at the end of that too that's the other thing remember you know France in 2015 yeah. lost multiple players um, and we came unstuck in a, in a quarter final so as much as you have to put all of your energy yeah. into a quarter final yeah, so then do you, do you beat Scotland and, and not put out your best team against South Africa and try and get as many players fit for the quarter final no. irrespective of what's going on oh god I don't think you can do that what's the what does that say to your squad too <laughs> well you know, I, love, I like your hustle. I, I think I think everybody who makes that squad is going to be really good. No, but I mean, what does that say if you're Andy Farrell and go to squad? Yeah, we're going to actually just pick and choose certain guys and good best of luck against the Springboks. <laughs> but maybe you know, we're, going, we're saving ourselves for. Um, uh, sorry, is it not? It's, it's What's the order? Is it not? Is it not South Africa first and then Scotland? Yeah, so you need to. Um, oh, you gotta. <laughs> that's that's the end of that conversation. Um, this game then so you pick him for the first game but for the Australia game let's say he's still fit and let's say you won or lost whatever you've got to start Frawley or Carberry against yeah, Australia I think you do yeah you really do like it doesn't matter if we beat Australia no I think it, it, it's the psychological victory of, of beating the Springboks would be significant going into the World Cup um, 
because they're ranked higher as well. Um, and Australia would be certainly no pushover, but I think you've got to have an ability to go and, and play with an alternative 10 in that. The fact that we didn't get to use one during the summer, we've got to look at starting someone and giving them the, giving them the week's training. That's, of running that's the whole thing. important. Yeah. You know, people talk about the Saturday, but it's having ownership of the team on a Tuesday and a Thursday and then the captain's run and you're dictating play, which is such a dif- difficult thing for any 10, knowing that Johnny Sexton is in the environment and the captain. So there's those factors to take into account as well of just letting someone take the, take the full reins. Um, is there anybody else that you're particularly excited about seeing over the course of these three games? Or four games, really, if you include I'm the excited about the prospect that Josh van der Fleer has to be in the mix for World Player of the Year. He is, I, isn't he? He has to be. Like he the, literally has to be. He yeah. was outstanding in New Zealand, nominated for Six Nations Player of the Year. Did, did, did DuPont win that again? I think he did, yeah. Um, and he has to be. So he's obviously been injured for a while. Um, yeah, to, it's that anytime you've got an, an Irish player in the mix for World Player of the Year, you got to get excited about the prospect of what their performances might lead to. Yeah, we've only had two World Player of the Years previously. So Dupont won, Aldrit and Van der Fleer were the other nominees for the um, Six Nations, and then obviously in the summer he was sensational. Yeah, him. Um, depending on what happened with Hugo Keenan, um, who's going to play? 15, do you play Mike, Mike Lowry? Do you can see that, wouldn't it? Hmm? Like he's so dynamic. In, yeah, in, particularly in a, in a game like South Africa. Yeah. You know, it might, might, might work well to, to, to that Hugo might be fit and ready for that game to throw Mike Lowry in there and see, you know, a, a higher calibre game than that Argentina he got his uh, first test. Is that against. the one that we hammered them in? Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I think that would be exciting. I really like Robert Balakun. I really like him. I think he's a very, very good player. Um, you know, obviously super quick, great footwork. I think he gets defence a bit more than the likes of Jacob Stockdale. Um, so there's a greater comfort that comes with that. I, I think he's got a greater appetite for defence. Like the hit, like l- enjoying the hit. Yeah. Um, I always look to guys like that as well that, that don't defend because they have to, defend because they want to. And that's really important in the overall um, kind of shape of, of how well-rounded a player someone is, that they enjoy it equally on either side of the ball. That's really important. The knock-on effect, the confidence that gives to those around them is significant. And I think that's why you, what you get with, with Johnny uh, above all the other tens. Yeah, you um, might talk him out of that for like the next six, seven months yeah, and then bring no, it back no, in. No, you can't take that out. If you're, if you're born around, you don't die square. So, you, you, you know, you got to, you know, you got to let him embrace that um, and just try and not take anyone's head off in the yeah. process. But, yeah. um, no, I think if you, if you do look at the other tens that are around, they will, they, they defend, but I don't think they love it. And, and I think he loves it. And I think that's what kind of sets him apart as well as obviously what he doesn't attack. Yeah, okay. Um, back to... Back to loving the love in for Johnny. There you go. Every show that Ulster back row or back line at the moment is it is sensational. If everybody's fit and playing quite well, like uh, they nearly have it fully perfect at this stage. Yeah, like yeah, um, like um, yeah. I think the balance of you know McCluskey's playing really well. 
Um, Marshall is back in form. Hume is just talk of him being around this weekend. Um, I think you know Larry and Balakoon. You know those two are, are you know. And if you put Stockdale on the other wing, you know you look at a fully fit Ulster backline. It's pretty impressive. That, that to be honest with you, has always been one of their strengths. I yeah. think they've always had good backlines. I think they've just struggled to Up get front. the level of possession and. Um, and now with you know the couple of the signings you know with Sutherland and now Kishoff, I don't know whether Sutherland will still be there at that point or Kishoff state plays on the on the loose as well as Sutherland. So whether it's one one or the other, but I think that those sort of signings would excite you if you were an, uh, an Ulster. Yeah. Um, fan it's a long way away, but um, it is. But I, I think knowing that that's coming too, I think is it's true. It's is very good healthy, for recruitment. You know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think they've got you know the re- the. The Ray brothers are good. Timney's going well. Vermeulen, definitely in the December of his career. But there's some. They're 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 actually in the mix. They're yeah. rightly in the mix. Not just for URC, but the they loans. could. You know, they'll be feel like they could be quarter finalists for sure in Europe and possible semi finalists if they continue on the trajectory they're going on. And at that stage, it's whoever has the most good fit players yeah. Um, yeah. should still be standing. Right, rugby and off the ball is with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. I want to throw one last random thing at you. We had Keith Wood on OTBAM during the week talking largely about the existential crisis that the game um, has at the moment from the player welfare perspective, the the various injuries, the knock-on impact that we're seeing from the financial crisis in England and how will that be contained? What are the kind of um, the rest of it? And taking that and the laws and how long the game is taken and how slow and it's not a great product for people, the wild suggestion of turning the 15 game into 12 aside to at least examine the prospect and to talk about the possibilities of it. Um, as a thought experiment, it certainly would begin to answer some of the issues. Um, now, you'd keep the scrum and you'd keep line out, so it's not rugby league. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've taken the 50 22, we've got the yellow cards in being just short of, you know, of um, players going on report, which is being suggested as a possible option as well. So it does feel as though it's morphing more and more into rugby league. Um, the last thing you want to do is um, is take three players at, you know, in a game that, that has existed for 130 years, yeah. 40 years to, to then all of a sudden reduce the numbers. I suppose looking at it positively, creation of more space, body shapes will probably change in players. There'll be, it'll be less attritional. Um, less expense. Less expense, I suppose, too. Yeah, oh, I don't know. It's too big a leap for you. It is at the moment. It is at the moment. We've got to try and find other ways and means to to deal with the struggles of the game, and, and they're significant. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, the Premiership obviously is, um, you know, is evident for everyone to see. Losing two clubs, particularly a club like Wasps, the magnitude, the history of them, um, that really is. There was a sucker punch for the game, not just for the Premiership. Um, there's a couple of other clubs that the talk is that they're um, in financial trouble um, so will it be the end of it by the end of the season I, I hope so but maybe not right. um, so um, yeah it does feel like there's definitely a bit of a reset button on the game in England I suppose we've always got to keep ourselves there's two aspects there's the Irish aspect and then there's the world rugby aspect and you always have to keep your house in order and I, 
I don't know the specifics around you know the, the financials of the IRFU right now, but I know that some of that CVC money that was going to go into the investment of the game has gone to propping up you know um, the national team and and players throughout the. Uh, throughout COVID, um, the repercussions of COVID are still being felt. Not just because everyone's back, you know, it's a thing of the past. Yeah, there's there's residuals from that. I suppose on top of things, now you've got professional contracts coming on stream for the for the women's game, which is all important as well. So there's an extra onus, you know, financially on the IRFU. So it does feel as though we first and foremost need to manage what's going on here and make sure our house is in order and yes there's concerns about what's happening in England but that's their problem I suppose world rugby is bigger picture and that's not a, that's, it's not a flippant overnight you know consideration to go from 15 to 12 but did we not have a 12 tournament you know six months ago or a year ago that was touted as that being the new IPL and and then it was poo-pooed um, that came from the wrong source, though. That was the problem with that, wasn't what? it? And it was going to be an add-on to the... It was, the it was, and it wasn't going to fit into the schedule, but it's quite a leap to go from, you know, having nothing to do with that to then having that as our new game. <laughs> oh, I don't know, I'm a bit of a purist about how the game has been, where it's gone, and... But you have to... F- exhaust every avenue to discover how you're going to be a financially sustainable model going forward and if that is one of the prospects well I think you've got to pay credence to to it being a, a plausible viable option so do do the research on, on all of the available options like this isn't going to happen in 2023 or 2024 you know this no, it's is a, decade a longer term really. yeah. uh, it always seems from the outside not knowing enough about it but that the main problem is the schedule it's kind of all over the place that we're asking the players to play too often in too many high profile games when and sometimes they don't play in the games against the, the main rivals that like the, the club competitions are too big and there's almost too many internationals but if there was a fixed number of games and there was a window where they were playing club and at the end of that all the internationals went and played international it makes sense it, it would and I think you've got a do you have a better product commerciality in that than you do now I suppose they're, they're the questions that need answering it's all to do a commercial model and, and and the money that comes from it to then pay the subsequent yeah. components of the of the game um, so yeah I, I think it's there's a lot of kind of soul searching that's going to happen over the course of the next two or three years Alan Gilpie in, in World Rugby um, and and a lot of his team have a lot of thinking to do that they will not be quick to react to any though that level of suggestion they've I, I've, I've been part of the rugby world cup board for the last couple of years and I, and they do forensically look through everything and sometimes it can be frustrating about how long processes take but yet you know knowing that it's not going to change overnight one way or another yeah well they also the development of the game as well like you know from a world rugby perspective you're trying to develop you know these developing countries um, have you know parachute payments into them, um, like it, the the coffers are are kind of squeezed already with how with where the, the monies are are being put right now from a world rugby perspective, and there is this still too much of an onus on rugby world cup supplying everything eighty five or ninety percent of the yeah. funding for over a four year cycle that 's just a bad business model and that 's why this nation 's league was was touted a couple of years ago, albeit not with the um 
what the input of the players and that's why there was a backlash but it does feel as though there will be a happy medium found where you find a better business model that actually allows the game to run itself year on year rather than reliant on a on a four yearly cycle on one seven week tournament particularly when you put it in places like Japan that have have typhoons or you know or wars in Europe yeah, um, yeah. terrorism and, and, and so imagine it's not straightforward if a World Cup doesn't happen for some reason it's catastrophic to the game yeah yeah all right on that cheery note (laughs) (laughs) thanks for bringing me in Brian good stuff Brian O'Driscoll on off the ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us